The following audio content is a talk given at the Inn, a college ministry of University Presbyterian Church in Seattle, Washington. For more information, please visit our website, theinnseattle.org. We invite you to join us each Tuesday at 9 p.m. on the corner of 16th and 47th in Seattle's U District. What are some of those things that, that maybe feel so big at times you don't know where to start? Uh, you know, for, they can be somewhat trite things, and I have a couple of those. Uh, I, love to, I love to run. And last week, I was, I, I actually missed the inn because I was with a, a group of, of friends, actually a group of guys that I've been meeting with at least once a year for about the last 13 years. We were down in Southern California, and I gotta, t- I gotta say, even as a proud Western Washington native, you know, I like to say that weather's never an issue, but getting up and going for a run when it's sunny and about 67 degrees outside, it's just a little bit easier. You know, right now, when you get up and it's snowing in the morning, you kind of throw the, the running shoes off and have that, have that second cup of coffee and scratch the run for the day, right? The other thing that, that, you know, and I, I feel like I, I'm going to let you guys in a little bit to, uh, uh, to my house, literally. Every house has one of these, right? Has a drawer that is just a disaster. It kind of catches everything and there's really no rhyme or reason to it. And for me, thinking about how am I ever going to clean this thing up? How is this thing ever going to be organized? Where do I even start? You know, and, and you look in there and there's probably some starting points, you know, it's kind of hard to tell, but there's, even as I took this picture, I'm like, there's an old light rail ticket in there that's already been used. I'm not going to use it. Why is it in there? What did I do? I just closed the drawer. Okay. I didn't take it out. There's, I bet you there's probably somewhere around about 1,500 pens in there, but when I'm trying to write a check to pay the babysitter, none of them ever seem to work. Don't know what that's all about. Every house has one of these drawers that you just go, oh, I should probably get this cleaned up, but it just feels like too overwhelming of a task to do that. Okay, every house has one of those drawers. My house actually has two of them. They're right next to each other. <laughs> Okay, maybe that's why I'm overwhelmed with this task. Now, I bring this up, why? Because when it comes to taking steps in our faith and come, comes to talking about what we're going to talk about tonight and engaging the problem of evil in this world, often it feels like the problem is so big and so complex that we don't know where to start and we don't know what to do. If you've been with us throughout the quarter, and even if you haven't, uh, we are co- we are are looking at a chapter of scripture from the book of Romans, Romans twelve, and some of the things that we've heard uh, since coming back in January are really this urgent plea on behalf of the writer of Romans, uh, the Apostle Paul, this urgent plea to respond to God's love. It's a plea to respond. It's not a plea to earn God's love. It's not a plea to somehow get God's attention so that you will be right with God. No, Jesus has already taken care of that. The urgent plea is, hey, in light of who God is, one who loves you, who's merciful, to respond to God, to respond to Jesus in view of that mercy and and things that we've heard this quarter with an accurate sense of who we are 
The word for that is humility, a true sense of, of who we are. With the gifts that we have been given, our, our talents, our interests, our skills. A few weeks ago, we got to hear Kelly talk about that. And then last week, uh, Chris led us in, in thinking about what does it mean for us to not let fear get in the way of sincere love? And so tonight, as we wrap up our look at Romans 12, I want to encourage you, to encourage us, to find ways that we might daily respond to the love of Jesus that make our world maybe even just this much better. What does it look like for us to respond daily to make our world better? Because as I look out at you from up front, I'm convinced that this world needs people like you. This world needs people like us in a world that is divided, where the news is bad, where sometimes we don't even know what's, what's real as, as, we, as we hear about what is real news and what's fake news. Uh, the world needs people like us. And so that's what I want uh, us to have in mind as we finish up this look at Romans 12. Um, you know, I had it in mind because this is the last talk to read through the whole chapter, but uh, because of time, I just want to skip to what we're going to cover tonight. So if you, uh, maybe you like to follow along on, on your phone. Uh, maybe you, you have your actual analog Bible with you. Hey, good for you. Um, or maybe you just want to listen, but we're going to look at Romans, uh, chapter 12, beginning at the 17th verse. I'm going to start reading out of this. Dakota will do his best to follow along and pick it up, um, for, for you on, um, on the screens in front of us. Okay. It says this. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary... Now listen to how positive this is. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. (laughs) Do not over, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. A message to the church. If we are asking questions about what am I called to, this answers it pretty clearly. Let's overcome evil with good. All right, a couple things that we need to deal with here. All right, first is what's this whole thing about ashes and burning coals on heads? You know, it's otherwise such a positive passage, right? We want to live at peace with everyone and, and we want to feed our enemy and, and we want to give them something to drink. And then there's this whole thing about heaping burning coals on them. It sounds like a little bit of a, hey, you know, a, a little bit of a bait and switch. Uh, uh, wait a minute. Is that really the game that we're going to play? Well, any time when we're reading scripture that we come across something where, where we're getting this, this, this very positive message and then there's something that seems kind of negative, we should probably take a closer look at it. A couple of ways that, you know, it's not necessarily one of those things like yesterday in the snow, 
one of my favorite things to do with the kids is, oh, you know, we're just, we're just playing around, right? You know, kind of a, a lob snowball fight or whatever. And, and, you know, to take a snowball and then do the thing where you, where you throw it way up in the air and the kids are like, ah, oh, and then you just, bam, you know, <laughs> lay them out. That's always a howler. I love doing it. Um, but what is this whole thing about, about heaping ashes on, on their heads? Now, the best way, the best illustration that I can think of, of what the Apostle Paul is getting at here, anybody see, uh, it came out a few years ago, it was uh, nominated for several awards, but, but the, the movie of Les Miserables. Anybody see that? Okay, anybody see it on, on, on stage as well? And the, the musical? It's, okay, it's a beautiful story and one that is worth, and one that is worth seeing. If you, if you have the, the fortitude to read the epic from Victor Hugo, um, it's worth doing. But the, the, here's, here's what this is saying. To heap ashes on one's head is essentially to, um, to one-up them in the best way. Now, in Les Miserables, as you, you may recall, there's this character, Jean Valjean, who is a criminal. He has been, um, he has escaped, and he is brought in by this wonderful, uh, this, this bishop uh, that we know as Monsignor Bienvenue, okay, or Father Welcome. Um, this, this Christian man who brings him in, and when he goes to sleep... Okay, after this man gives him, gives Valjean something to eat and something to drink, he robs him. He takes all the silver in the house, and as he is getting away, he is apprehended by the police. This very sinister man named Javert, who brings him back and said, hey, this guy tried to rob you. And when he gets there, Father Welcome, Monsignor Bienvenue, says, oh, no, 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 I gave those things to him. And by the way, the only thing I'm upset with is you forgot these, these candlesticks. That's what, that is an illustration of what it means to heap ashes on their head. It really is something like to kill them with kindness. Now, what I want you to catch here is that in something where there's a very positive movement, give your enemy something to eat, give them something to drink. There's something very positive here. What would be the positive meaning of that? And this is Paul's way of just saying, one-up them, kill them with kindness. And it's an action that leads to repentance. After this, Valjean uh, gets to keep all that silver, and Father Bienvenue, once the police have left, says, hey, use this to become an honest man. Change your ways. And of course, the rest of the story is that Valjean just does just that. It's a great illustration of this. Now, uh, in my meeting with the in-speaking team this week, they said that one of the things that we needed to deal with in this passage is this problem of evil. So can I be real with y'all about evil here for the next five minutes or so? Because honestly, I don't like talking about evil. But this passage most, most definitely addresses it, and so we should probably talk a little bit about evil. All right, let's talk about what kind of evil is the Apostle Paul talking about right here. When we talk about evil as it's described in the Bible, what are we talking about? If we go back first to the Old Testament, we hear about evil as, as really 
you know, to say it's just bad stuff is a little bit uh, of an understatement. But you might say it like this, that evil is anything which is offensive, perverted, or harmful. And in the Bible, it cites both natural evil, such as physical disasters, but especially moral evil as deeds against God or against one's neighbor. Okay, pretty we understand what that means. So that includes types of evil that are, that are pretty obvious. Terrorism, slavery, violence. It makes space for things like natural disasters, you know, hurricanes and earthquakes that ultimately remind us that we live in a fallen world. Um, now, no doubt people in this room have experienced the pain of severe illness, either of a family member, perhaps um, yourself, perhaps uh, a devastating loss of a loved one, a loss that never really goes away in the way that you feel it. Those are things that we can say, that's evil. It's the result of living in a world that's broken. It's, a, it's the result of living in a world where sin has entered the picture. And the Bible certainly where it, it, it makes space for with this type of evil, there is a type of evil that we can do nothing about. Now, the question that the In Speaking team was interested in uh, is, why does God even allow this evil? Why does God give it power? Okay, and I think it's a fair question to ask. Why, why was evil even allowed to enter the picture? Let me, th- th- there's, there's a lot of ways that you can answer this question. Let me share with you what's most compelling to me. That if there is to be such thing as love which God grants us, that it has to be connected to freedom. You see, you can't have love that says, no, 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 you have to love me. That's not love, right? We could probably pick a number of different words for that, but it's not love. That'd be more like like slavery. So in order for there to be something that we could call love, there has to be something that corresponds to it that we could choose otherwise. Because remember, God will not infringe on the critical choice to choose him, to choose love, right? And so there is this downside. We might call it hate. We might call it sin. So because there is the possibility of love, there is thus the possibility of something other than love. Now, you don't have to, you can wrestle with that a little bit, but that's just the reality that if where there is going to be such thing as love, there has to be the possibility of something else. And apparently God in God's wisdom says this whole love thing is a, it is good enough that it's worth the risk. Think about that for a second. For as much of the pain of sin that we see and that we experience, somewhere in God's wisdom, he said, you know what? This is worth it. That's how good love is. That's how good God's love is. But that's why there is, in part, the problem of evil. 
Okay, so that is what we might call kind of the big or kind of the global evil. Well, now the Apostle Paul, when he talks about evil in the passage that we just read and really throughout Romans, he talks about uh, evil not as much in this big kind of natural disasters, you know, sin has entered the world sense. He talks about it more as a sin has entered our lives individually sense. For him, Romans 1, sin originates within each person, within each man, within each woman. And, and it becomes this kind of constant struggle. Uh, let's take a look really quick at Romans 7. This is a, this is a great passage for me only because I identify so much with it. These are the words of, of, of Romans 7. He says, For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep doing. Now, if I do what I, now if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin, evil living in me that does it. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work within me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Okay, there's the good news right there. Okay, did you catch that? We are delivered from this tension. So then I find myself... I myself in my mind am a slave to God's law, but in my sinful nature, a slave to the law of sin. All right. For Paul, he is addressing the sin that originates from him, from us, from humans. Now we experience this, right? Now we experience it in those trite things like my drawer, but I know that, that groups of, of, of students, you have these things, the things I do not want to do, I do. Now that may come in the, in the form of, you know, I'm just going to look at, at stories on social media for another 20 minutes. You know, maybe just one more, uh, you know, of my Netflix uh, before I get started on that math assignment. The things I do not want to do, I do. Willpower. Often we choose the things that benefit us and either ignore others or they cost others. We experience this maybe in our own, maybe in ourselves or maybe others that we know that are addicted. That they find themselves going, you know what, if one more drink isn't going to hurt. But it actually does. Those who say, you know, I'm just going to look at porn for another 10 minutes and then I'm going to be done with it for good. And in so doing, we do unknowable damage to ourselves and to others. Instead of making decisions that would keep people from being oppressed. 
that would keep others from being on the margins, that would only protect us, that look to our interests first. You see, those are the things that Paul also calls evil. The things where there is that tension within us, and instead of choosing God or choosing others, we choose ourselves. That's what this passage, and it's hard to hear, moves us away from. What is Paul ultimately saying? He's saying, stop sinning. Stop sinning, not so that you can earn God's love. That's already happened, but because of God's love. And because we want to make that love real for others and for ourselves, stop sinning. Now, we do have to be careful Because on the one hand, we do live in this fallen world where sin has tainted everything. Everything is colored by evil. But we also live in a world that was created good. A world that is full of creativity and beauty and love that is often outside of our ability to comprehend it. And I'll say this, I don't want to be the type of Christian, the type of follower of Jesus, whatever, whatever your word for, for Christian is these days, that goes around calling everything evil. Okay, that, that's going to push people away. I also don't want to be the kind of Christian that doesn't acknowledge evil because everything in my life seems to be working out just fine. What about others? You see, as a Christian, we need to be discerning about the reality of evil in the world, but we also, we, we can't forget that God created this world good. If part of the calling of this passage is to live peaceably with everyone, okay, we don't want to be a Debbie Downer. You know, that, and that's what happens if you're calling evil, uh, calling the world evil all the times. But there are two things that I think this passage notes uh, before we move on to a, a few applications. And there are reasons that a lot of people don't really like Christians. Okay? People say that we are what? Hypocrites? Judgmental. To me, those two things go together. Judgmental. Uh, in this part of this passage where where... Paul reminds us that vengeance belongs to our God. Okay, and this is a really important theological point for you to hear tonight. That in part what he's saying is you, Christian, you don't get to judge. That's my job. It's not your job. Um, The job of judge, the job of king, the job of avenger has already been taken, and that's my job. Quit judging. Um, John Newton, the guy that wrote Amazing Grace, said it like this. He said, you know, when I get to heaven, I expect there to be three great wonders. The first is that I expect to see people in heaven that I didn't expect to see there. The second is that I expect that I won't see people that I did expect to see. And the third and the greatest wonder of all would be to find myself there. Um, If you ever find yourself in a church that is saying you have to follow our A, B, C, and D in order to make sure that you are saved, that's a cult. Run from it. 
okay? They don't get to be the ones that say, you're saved. That's God's job. Uh, Be aware of that. And I want to urge us to not be the type of judgmental Christians that spend a lot of time trying to discern who's in and who's out. That's not our job. It's not time well spent. Then the, the last thing that I'll point out is the other word we heard was hypocrite. How are we hypocrites when we don't do what we say that we're going to do? When we don't, when our actions are not in line with what the good news and the understanding of the good news is all about. And you remember how this passage finished? Overcome evil with good. All right. I want to finish with three quick reflections on how might we do this? How might we be people that seek to overcome this evil, this personal evil, this evil that we can control with good? Three reflections, one for each wolf on my shirt. (laughs) The first is this, okay? Try to put this in a way that you might be able to remember. The first is ready. And what do I mean by this? How do we get ourselves ready? The way that I'll say it is this, is the spiritual way to say it would be pray. And remember that prayer isn't just asking for things. Prayer is an exercise in both speaking and listening. The other way I would say it is this. When we get ready to go and overcome evil with good, we need to start by not preaching to others, but preaching to ourselves. And we preach to ourselves first about who is God. God is love. And in him, there is no darkness at all. He is the one who rescued us. He is the one who has redeemed us. And he is the one who has shown us mercy and grace. We start by preaching to ourselves to remember who is this God that loves us. And then we, in light of that, we remind ourselves who we are. I am a beloved child of the king. And his banner over me is love. Even in the way that I am flawed, that I am broken, that I am imperfect, that I don't have the gifts that I see in such spectacular way in others. We begin, we ready ourselves to overcome evil with good by starting by preaching to ourselves about who God is, the truth of who God is as we hear it in scripture and thus the truth of who we are. Second, Get set. And the way that you you set up to overcome evil with good is to look, to look around. What are the needs around you that you might be able to meet? My hope for myself and for this community is that we might be people that would that would be aware of the needs around us. And then be people that would go and and simply do our best to meet those needs. We're not going to be perfect at it. In fact, we might even be a, a little bit a little bit clumsy in that process. But if the ready is to preach to ourselves about who God is, who we are, the set is let's look for needs. And how about this? Where is the evil in the world that you see? And it's not something that you need to uh, post on social about. But when, when you see just things around you day to day that you might be, 
that in your discernment, you call that evil. What's one way that you might be able to go, I'm going to go and put a stop to that. Maybe it's something that comes out of you. Maybe there's a way you can reach out to a friend and say, will you help me with this? Think about that. Is It's possible that just asking for help is a way that we can overcome evil with good. And maybe we can be that for someone else. And then finally, go. Go and do it. Uh, we are a culture that loves to, to talk about things. It is a culture where there is so many words. As I noted at the, at the top of, of the talk, there is so much news out there that we don't, that, that we have to discern. Is that real or is that fake? There's so much division. There is so much that's negative. And there's so much out there that we're not responsible for. The, the, the go, the do that I am asking you and encouraging you toward is one that says, go and do what you can. You know, for me, one of those things was world deputation. When I was a college student, I was a student right here at the inn uh, in the mid-90s. And for me, taking a giant leap in my faith was going on world deputation. And what that was, was an opportunity for me to go and practice living my life for something other than just me. And you know, uh, Haiti is the poorest country in the, in the Western Hemisphere. And there, the needs there are so great. And honestly, I, as far as I could tell, I did nothing to, to wipe out the evil that is so easily identified in the Republic of Haiti. You know what I did that summer? I held babies. I held kids. Um, most of, oh gosh, most of them had AIDS. They were in an orphanage. And it was, there were over a hundred of these kids in a house that was run by six nuns. And these nuns were some of the most amazing people I have ever met. But six people with a hundred kids get quickly overwhelmed. And there would be moments where I, I would pick up these kids, a moment I remembered where I had eight of them on my body, and there was a rocking chair. And I sat down in this rocking chair with these eight kids and rocked back and forth. And within 90 seconds, they were all asleep. Small thing. Um... And I don't know what difference it made in those kids' lives, but I sure know the difference it made in mine. If the faith is going to be real to us, if Jesus is going to be real to us and to be real in a world that is aching, that is broken, that is damaged by evil, it requires us participating in responding to what God has already done in rescuing and redeeming this beautiful creation. We are God's plan to make the reality of this gospel just that, real in the world. And as we do it, it becomes real for us. Let's pray. God, make yourself real to us animate our spirit and our souls.
that uh, we, we might participate in stamping out this evil in our own lives and in the world around us. Uh, we know that we can't do it on our own. We need your spirit. Uh, so enliven us, animate us, fill us with your spirit uh, that we might do as you uh, told us and overcome evil with good. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.